Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from industry experts and help journalists do their jobs better. You must be wondering who I am and where your usual host Jacob is. My name is Camille Dupont, freelance journalist and Presspad's content and programs director. I'm taking the reins today. I came along to the News Rewired conference last month, which explored some of the big trends and themes shaping the media industry. These events strive to give attendees practical insights to get to take back to their newsrooms. And so, with my trusty microphone by my side, as well as a few journalism students, we put two big questions to a handful of our attendees. Number one, what is the biggest challenge facing your newsroom? And two, what have we taken away from the conference? While we covered a broad range of subjects throughout the day, three striking themes appeared. Sustainability, audiences, resilience, and at the centre of that triangle, trust. We'll be exploring all of that, so don't go anywhere. Our focus begins around the need for sustainable, ethical and quality-driven newsrooms. This is far from a new challenge for publishers. Indeed, the questions of whether quality journalism is sustainable has been around for years. Why talk about it now then? Well, because the industry, its tools and the audiences have evolved massively recently. One participant summarised it in under 10 seconds. I think it's maintaining moral integrity while still actually keeping a marketable model of business that is going to be able to allow you to expand whilst at no point upsetting or damaging the trust that your readers have. That was Matt Payton, head of SEO and planning at the Financial Times. The cookie-less future looms large and news companies need to think about collecting their own first-party data from online readers. But readers are also increasingly guarded of their data and news companies may therefore tread lightly. There's a lot at stake. They risk damaging the precious relationship they have cultivated. Here's Matt Payton on the subject again. We write about right to privacy, that's, and that's becoming an increasing issue, and yet we also need to make money. The FT isn't alone in adjusting its balancing act. Sarah Marshall, Global Executive Director of Audience Development, Social Media and Analytics for Vogue at Condé Nast, talked about the importance of hooking readers in with your content and nudging them toward email registration sign-ups. So my job is about audience development and it's about growing the right kind of audiences for our sites. So for Vogue, that's getting enough people to come to our sites um, to deliver the advertising and also to make people want to come back and log in and register and log in so that we can ultimately also drive consumer revenue as well. Paul Herman, fellow at the Reuters Institute and managing editor for AdSpace Studio, narrows the issue even further. When asked what his favourite takeaway was from the conference, he responded. Um, It was really eye-opening to see that even within your own organization, the different departments will want different things with regards to data and also with all the looming changes happening soon, um, uh, newsrooms and news publishers really need to understand what's going to happen um, with regards to how we continue to track our audience's first party data. So it's something for all newsrooms to think about and to start developing their strategies. 
During our conversation, Sarah Marshall from Vogue tells me that around 83% of their global audience comes from Facebook and Google platforms, including Google searches, Google Discover, a highly personalized feed, and meta platforms. That's Instagram and Facebook. The relationship with these platforms can be complicated, she says, as they're often referred to as frenemies of the publishing world. There's a great article published in the Columbia Journalism Review in 2015 by academic and journalist Emily Bell, who warns us about adapting our content to our works on these platforms. This only increases our dependency on them as we rely on these platforms for revenue, traffic, audience discovery, without knowing much about the inner workings of their systems and algorithms. Add to this the tendencies these platforms have to create echo chambers, and you get polarization of views and newsrooms, and lack of trust. Conveniently, that's also the second theme covered with our media leaders. According to the latest Reuters Institute Digital News Report, published this year, trust in the UK has once again dropped to 34% after a brief corona bump last year. The UK news industry has never quite recovered from its post-Brexit collapse as trust took a heavy hit. Interestingly, one of the key challenges faced by the media is relatability, according to Vicky Gale, investigative journalist at the Bureau Local. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges for journalism is people really not relating to it in the first place. Um, people feeling very disconnected and not trusting journalism and, and what it represents. And I think that is a, a major challenge that all of us are trying to address in our own way. That's part of what the Bureau is aiming to tackle. Unsurprisingly, the keynote speech given by Zina Hayem, an award-winning Syrian journalist, provided reality check and a lowdown on how to treat local journalists, especially those in dangerous and traumatic locations. Her talk left many attendees thinking about how to tackle polarization in their newsrooms and coverage. This is Matt Payton again. Working for International Outlook myself, I think for me in what I do, it's the use of language and how we use it and how we represent people. Um, and I think that's something that I will be thinking long term. So practically, this could mean opting to say refugees for displaced Syrians instead of migrants. The term migrants hasn't been used when talking about Ukrainians since the beginning of the Russian invasion this year. It taints the coverage and creates further divisions. So why would you use it for one group and not the other? This is far from the only example of problematic language and lack of objectivity in reporting on these issues. Are the new generation more aware of this matter and more equipped to address it though? That's what Ping Shum, senior lecturer in journalism at the University of Roehampton, hopes. Here he is talking about it in the context of his experience at the BBC World Service and working with his journalism students. It is a problem today and uh, just hopefully so more and more the younger generation they probably more aware of it because um, at the moment probably in, we all know in the media landscape so 50% of those um, in the management role they're probably a white male Oxbridge so they were less some um, uh, say I'm aware of this issue so hopefully in the future the future generations to be more aware of that so let's recap giving bylines to local journalists who know more about the issue 
increasing representation of marginalized communities in the story we cover and ensuring the language we use avoids further polarization, to me, this screams diversity issue. And I'm not the only one to think so. Throughout the day, experts in panels or amongst the audience brought up diversity as a problem. Diversity of age, socioeconomic background, ethnicity or nationality were mentioned, to which we can add many more, just as equally important. The relevance of media organisations is another theme running in the background. With the rise of polarisation and breakdown of trust, the public is turning to new sources that don't play by the same rules. Cheyenne Sardarizade is a journalist focusing on disinformation at BBC Monitoring. He ran a workshop on verification for the conference, demonstrating some of the tools he uses and testing our own techniques. He warns us about the rise of fakes and sophisticated deep fakes on social media, especially on TikTok, which the younger audiences use. It's another factor in the trust equation. There's a breakdown in trust, particularly in um, Western countries, um, between journalists and the public. And there are all sorts of reasons for it. It's a combination of the digital age, social media, um, probably journalists and news organisations not doing enough. Um, also the perceptions, how the perceptions of the public are formed, particularly on, on the internet. So I think that's, that is a huge problem because before the internet and social media um, became um, the drivers of news stories, everyone used to just watch television or read newspapers um, and that's how they got their news. Nowadays, people get their news online. And sometimes the narratives that they see online are completely different to what is being reported on television or on newspapers or on news websites. For Hilary Scott, senior lecturer in journalism at the University of Northampton, the biggest challenge facing us is capturing the attention of young audiences. Times have changed, to put it bluntly. Young people don't see news around them in the way she or senior journalists did when they started out. At the same time, just having a social media presence isn't enough either. They need to think about who is currently not being served by the news and how to reach them effectively. I mean, we accuse politicians of kind of being in their own bubbles and journalists who work out of Westminster, you know, only being the only people that are interested in it. Um, we've got to kind of push that out to the regions a bit more and stop, you know, the sort of London-centric um, attitude to kind of information, which I think since COVID actually has got a lot better. I think you've got a lot more engagement in news organisations. What needs to be done then? Well, something. As Cheyenne Sardarizade explained in our conversation, there's a lot of talking, but not much doing. So one of the ways of dealing with that definitely is to employ younger, talented journalists who um, have expertise on using online platforms who are creative, uh, who know how to build trust between themselves and members of the public using the internet. Um, that is something that I think many news organisations are still not paying enough attention to. The idea is there and everyone talks about it. But when it comes to actually seeking those types of people and employing them and enabling them to use the talents that they, they have and the things that they've learned by you know 
basically growing up using the internet and then make that connection between their journalism and the public audiences, that's not happening at the rate it should. Saying we need to inject new and diverse talents into the media industry is all well and good. But often do people have trust issues when it comes to the news. So how on earth do you bring them into the industry? And how do you retain them if they don't feel supported by their management? That's the theme of the third key conversation we had with participants, resilient newsrooms. We know that the pandemic has been a serious strain on the mental health of journalists who were facing job insecurity, health concerns and isolation. The point here is how to keep our newsrooms efficient whilst being sensitive towards providing support and making sure these difficult scenarios we find ourselves in do not derail the goals of the newsroom. There is a bridge here to rebuild between management and reporters, we found. The importance of mental health is what Vicky Gell from the Bureau Local also believes should be a key takeaway of the conference. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that I learned really is how management need to respond to how staff are kind of um, digesting trauma on a day-to-day basis and how much that has changed. And I, I think it's really important that management and newsrooms kind of respond to um, mental health, essentially, amongst journalists and really take that seriously. And so it should. Christina Nicolotti Squires from Sky News explained during the panel how exposure of journalists to difficult images online and across social media is, well, changing the game. That's also what Kate Heathman, senior lecturer in journalism at Liverpool John Moores University, believes. From my perspective, it's preparing uh, young journalists to enter a workplace that is so different from the one I entered and the one that many of their senior managers will have entered and accepting that journalism and journalists are changing and I think that's why some of the discussions we've had this morning around resilience and awareness and training and some of the other... I was also in a breakout room talking about verification that's not something that I had to do when I was first in a newsroom and now I think we have to tell young journalists don't trust everything. I think that's very unusual. So yeah, those are the, I think those are the two challenges that, as I can see it, but um, some fascinating discussions this morning. With traditional work experience schemes and internships coming back this summer, the issue of recruitment and training and retention of diverse trained journalists remains central. And the latest diversity figures released about the industry ought to be a wake-up call for newsrooms aiming to build resilience. According to the latest NCTJ diversity report, 80% of journalists had a parent in one of the three highest occupational groups, compared to 42% of all UK workers. And only 2% have a parent in the lowest two occupational groups, compared to 20% of all UK workers. We just need to do better. It seems to me that this day was jam-packed with essential conversations. Thank you so much to all the participants who took the time to talk to me for this episode. We started with the balance between the need for data, ethics and quality journalism as the three pillars of sustainability of our newsrooms. That led us to the risk and consequences of polarisation of the media to finish on how COVID highlighted the cracks in our organisations forcing us to put resilience and mental health on the agenda. 
and in the background, you will have noticed the issue of trust, of course, but also relevance of the media and the imperative to make our industry more diverse. I would love to hear what you have to say about the challenges faced by the media and journalists and if you have ideas on how we can diversify the media. You can DM me on Twitter at Camille to start a conversation. As ever, if you'd like to feature on the show or you've got a topic or a story you want us to cover on the podcast, get in touch with our regular host, Jacob, on jacob at journalism.co.uk. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. That way, you won't miss our next exciting episode. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Camille Dupont. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.